Thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, please check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com. You can also search One Cause Church on Facebook and on Twitter. God bless you. Hallelujah. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Mark and chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Um, those of you that have any, any prayer needs in here tonight, um, I, I want to hear in a little bit, just minister to you. I, I want to pray with you personally, lay hands on you. Uh, but I want to give you some of this word first, all right? Uh, whatever, whatever need you have, I want to agree with you tonight. Amen? Are you all right with that? If we spend a little time in ministry. Um, but I want to fill your hearts up first with the word in Matthew, I mean, uh, Mark, <clears throat> that is chapter 7. We're going to go through a few little scriptures here um, and kind of build for a moment. Hallelujah. Wasn't it a beautiful day today? Yeah. Father, we thank you for these next few moments under the influence of your word. God, I thank you that you've anointed me to preach the gospel. Thank you that you've called me at such a time as this to speak to this great people, Lord. God, I thank you that you've gathered these people by your appointed time. And Lord, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ to be upon your people, Lord. Thank you for grace upon my lips to deliver your message, God. Thank you for the anointing, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of Almighty God here tonight. Lord, I thank you for the moments tonight where you are going to do what you do, that you are our healer and you are our provider and you are a restorer. You are our deliverer. You empower us, God. Lord, you, you are able to do supernatural things in us, God. We're here tonight to experience you in a greater way. We're here tonight, God, to know you more, to go deeper in our relationship with you. We're here, God, to, to, to serve you. We're here, God, to worship you, to bless your name. We're here to hear the word because, Lord, we know when the word comes, faith comes. And, Lord, we want to be people of faith all of our days, Lord. You've given us a commission from your word to walk by faith. And, Lord, we know that we can't do that without hearing your word first. So we take this moment to honor and to reverence your word coming on, onto our ears. And, and we open up our hearts to receive the seed and the full impact of the seed of the word in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Mark chapter 7, verse 13. Actually, let's, let's back up to... Uh, 11 there to give a little bit of context. So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here, and he says, uh, But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of, everybody say these next two words, no effect. Through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Now, there are traditions that are handed down that are good, and there are traditions that are handed down, apparently, that are not good, right? I want to be the kind of man, I want to be the kind of pastor, and we need to be the kind of church where we hand down the good traditions and tell the other traditions, see you later, right? The meaningless things that we can tend to hold on to sometimes just because that's what the generation before did or before them or before them, Kind of like the, the woman who was, you know, who uh, always cut a third of the ham uh, before she put it in the oven to cook it. Cooked, she cut a third of the ham off and then put two-thirds in the oven and cooked it. 
Well, she realized that she was doing this, and she never really figured out why. She, heard, she called her mom. She said, Mom, I learned this from you. Why in the world do you do this? She said, well, I don't know, sweetheart. She said, I learned it from my mother. She said, well, well would you call Grandma and ask her? So she called her mom. She said, Mom, why, why in the world do, do we cut a third of the ham off? Why has that been in our family for some time, and we use two-thirds? She said, well, sweetheart, uh, back then when I was cooking ham, I had a real small pan, and so I just had to cook off cut off part of the ham so the ham would fit would fit in that pan you know and some traditions we 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 have as believers that we we hold on to and have real no real meaning to them they might have had meaning at, at one time but the spirit of god um is moving all the time and you know i believe that there's 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 a thing that god does he he is the same yesterday today and forever but yet he does new things too he does new things. He's speaking a new thing to this generation. He's going to continue to speak new things because the Word of God teaches that, the, that, that without vision, the people perish. Without vision. And, and if you look that up in the original, it means without progressive vision, without moving vision. Jesus said, I will build, right? So that means there's always new things going on in building expansion and growth. And, and so the anointing and the Spirit of God move in the new things as well as the rich traditions of the old things. Like we never change the gospel ever, ever. Amen. That, is, that message has stood the test of time and it continues to pierce through every generation and it continues to save generation after generation of those who believe it. We never changed this message that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and he rose again from the dead, according to the scriptures. But, you know, sometimes we, we change how we, do th- how, we, how we do things. We, we, we change the method of how we do things, but we never change the message. And Jesus talked to the Pharisees here and he told them, he said, he said it's your traditions that you've been handing down all this time that have caused the word of God to have no effect. No effect? My gosh. Well, I think about the Word of God, it says it's living and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, right? And it pierces even to the division of soul and spirit. I mean, what else has the power to separate soul from spirit, right? The Word of God is so precise that it can separate soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, which means the Word of God is the answer for every dimension of man, all the way down to your bones, all the way down between your spirit and your soul. I mean, it just every part, it's made for every part, every dimension of man. And yet that man can cause that power of the word to be stopped and stifled by his belief system. When we exalt what we've learned from other men, and when we exalt tradition, we exalt, well, this is the way, we, give me that old-time religion, give me that old-time, you know, we exalt that kind of thing, then we, then we lose the effect of the Word of God, the power of it. I mean, is there anything more powerful than the Word? Yeah, our traditions, apparently. Apparently. Look over, let's back up Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Now, as far as the Word of God and its power in heaven, it's unleashed and it is uninhibited. David said, forever, O Lord, your Word is settled where? In heaven. But is it settled on earth? Not until we come into agreement with it. That's why we stand here and say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let your Word run uninhibited in my life just like it runs uninhibited in heaven. 
Hallelujah. Because I'm not here to argue with it. I'm not here to stop it. I'm not here to hold on to any, any tradition to keep the word of God from having effect in my life. I want its full impact. Yeah. Amen. 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 Now here in Mark chapter 6, verse 4, but Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. So there are two things here that we see that are really, really potent against the Word of God and against the healing power of God or the flow of the anointing. That is tradition, men's tradition, and unbelief. And men's tradition and unbelief are actually very well kin to one another. They really are because the men's tradition are believing in their system. That's an unbelief in God and a belief in their system. So, I mean, they're, they're very closely related. The sin is unbelief, ultimately. That's the root of it, unbelief. And so here, Jesus says he could do no mighty miracles. How in the world do we expect then to, have, to see the signs and the wonders and the miracles and, and see the, the, the effect of the anointing if we have an atmosphere of unbelief? We can't expect that. If Jesus couldn't do it, ladies and gentlemen, we can't either. If he couldn't see its full effect, if he couldn't make its full effect happen, why? Because he's dealing with men, and as far as God is concerned, men have this thing called free will. You don't want it, guess what? You don't have to have it. Even though the very Son of the living God, the resurrection and the life is standing in front of you, if you don't want it, guess what? You won't get it. If you won't recognize it, they refused to recognize him that way and only recognized him as a natural man. This is the carpenter. Right? And they only saw him in the natural. And they did not appreciate and welcome and, and experience his spirit. That anointing that was available to heal. And so it says he could do no mighty works there. Except heal a few sick people. Heal a few sick people. Hey, let's not stop. At just healing a few sick people. Let's not act like that's such a mighty thing, because according to Scripture, that's not the mighty thing. Yeah, that's right. Hmm? Yep. Let's look for the mighty things. Let's expect the mighty things. But it only happens in a community of belief, Amen. Yeah. community of faith. Now, I want you to notice what happened here in Mark chapter four, uh, 6. He says, Now he could do no mighty works, verse 5, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit doing what? Teaching. Because Jesus knows this. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So the answer to this, to this problem, this, this disease of unbelief, was to teach the word. So that faith could come, and he could change the, that community. Mm-hmm. Tradition of men, unbelief. They stop the effect of the word and the flow of the anointing. I don't want any of that kind of stuff in this church. In the environment that I want us, I want God to know that when He and we come together, He has full reign where we are. That we are an ab- absolutely a community of believers. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend that used to say, the atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. 
I love that. In Luke chapter 4, in verse 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I'm really glad that he didn't stop there. I'm so glad that he didn't stop there so we could go, wow, he's so anointed. Isn't that wonderful how anointed he is? But see, the anointing has a function to it, not just, not just an office. It is a function. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal. This is the function of the anointing. Preach the gospel, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Hallelujah. See, this is, the, this is where the, the anointing causes the ordinary to become extraordinary and the natural to become supernatural. Hallelujah. And the very same spirit that Jesus is speaking of here is the very same spirit that lives in you. That means that you have an anointing to function. If he had that spirit, if he had that anointing upon him, then we all have that very same anointing to function. Not to just say, look how powerful I am, <laughs> how anointed I am. No. If you recognize the anointing, then you recognize that you have something to do. You have someone to minister to. You have some, some body to lay your hands on and see them recover because of the anointing. And that anointing cannot be released until you function in that anointing. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. I mean, I stand here today preaching because the anointing of the Spirit is upon me to do this. I, if, I, if I was going to choose anything to do in the natural means, it would not be to preach. I'm just being honest with you. I do this because I feel compelled by God to do this. Because I know I was called as a young man to do this. He marked me. You know, I'd be doing this. I'd be rocking and rolling somewhere and, or fighting fires. I like firefighting as well. I mean, I'd do anything else. I mean, if I just wanted to do my own thing. But I know that I can't. I've tried, I've tried to ignore it. Somebody in here might know what I'm talking about. You try to ignore and try to push aside that call that, that God has for you, but it only lasts for so long. And then you realize, I've got to do something. I'm miserable. Right? I got to do something with this thing on the inside of me. Because, uh, uh, and, and the cool thing about it is, is that when you recognize it, then you can flow in it and it makes it so easy. It's not something you have to strive in or contrive. You just flow in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I love that. My confidence is in God, not in my, my ability to preach. I mean, I have an ability to preach because I was trained and I've learned those things, but my God, you do that without the anointing, I don't care how well your sermon's put together. You know? Hallelujah. I, I, I think it's awesome. And I've, I think I've shared this with you before, uh, how, how the anointing works. And, and God, the anointing works when you begin to function in it, that it'll affect people's lives. And most of the time it affects people's lives how you didn't expect it to. Yeah. I know that when I'm preaching, and I've, I've had people approach me after the service before. Let's say I was preaching on taming the tongue. All right? Talking about the power of the tongue and, uh, and, and that, that, that it's the hand. Remember we talked about that? The death and life are in the hand, the yod of the tongue. That, that, that's what it looks like. That's what Proverbs gives us the picture of. right? Like that kid in Christmas story tuck it, stuck his tongue to, the tel to that flagpole, the frozen flagpole. Well, his tongue, whatever his tongue was stuck to, that's where he was. Right? 
Whatever you're grabbing a hold of, uh, whatever you're speaking, you're grabbing a hold of and you're bringing your life right to it, right? Amen. So, but, you know, be preaching a message like that and have somebody come up to me after service and say, Pastor Eric, man, I tell you what, the Lord's really dealing with me today when you were talking about um, uh, treating your spouse better. And um, I'm telling you what, it just, I'm, I'm going, what? I didn't say anything about that. I didn't say anything about husbands and wives in that message. That's what they heard. Because when the anointing flowed, God knew exactly how to write up on that word and meet whatever needs were in the room. So that's why it's not on me as the pastor. It's pressures on me to try to make sure that I hit every subject. I'm up here to preach the word of God and let the anointing do its work. See, I appreciate what Pastor John has taught me. He said, oh, you know, men, men just mull over. Oh, God, what do you want? Give me a word for this Sunday. Give me a word. Hey, there's a whole book full of the word. Just open it up and start feeding the sheep. Everything that's in there, hallelujah, everything is in there is good for the people. Just feed them. Amen? Hallelujah. See, when you're flowing in the anointing, then you, then you really realize that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of the living God. And all of us as believers are marked with the anointing. Amen? And it will only function, like I said, when you function. If you don't lay hands on the sick, guess what? They won't get a chance to receive the benefit of healing that comes from the anointing in you. If you don't open your mouth and share the gospel with those God has put in your path, then they lose the opportunity to hear that message and believe. So then we understand when we, when we grab a hold of the idea that we're anointing, then we realize at that moment that it's really not about us. You're anointed to serve. You're anointed to do what Jesus did. And if you don't believe that, then it won't happen. And if you don't believe it, neither will anyone else. Hallelujah. All right, I'm almost finished. I want to to turn over to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I'll leave you with this. If you're taking notes, you might write these things down. This will help you. Acts chapter 10 is, is the chapter where we see the first Gentile conversion, which is Cornelius, when Peter went to his house and preached to him and all of his house, and everyone there was saved. Um, <clears throat> but before, before that happened, Jesus, I mean, uh, Peter is preaching at this moment, and in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, part of his sermon here, he says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing and how many? All who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Everybody that Jesus healed, according to this, their sickness was an oppression of the devil. Hmm. So that tells us that sickness is an enemy, and it is a tool of the enemy. Yeah. It's as a result of that enemy's lie in the garden 
how sickness came to us. So it was not authored by God. No form of sickness is ever authored by God. This clearly teaches us it was from the devil. Now listen, these things, you might write these things down. The first thing, write it here in this verse, really some powerful things. Number one, how God anointed. So write this down. It's God who anoints. It's God. See, men can appoint, but only God can anoint. No man can receive anything except it be given from above. Amen? Number two, look at this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now I want you to notice the second thing. It is a man whom he anoints. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth. This is the designation that points to Jesus' humanity while he was here on earth. People are anointed by God to continue that message of Jesus to humanity. As he is, so are we in this world, in our humanity, as men and women. Amen. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. He anoints, number three here, he anoints with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who covers. The Holy Spirit is the one who, who comes upon us. The Holy Spirit is the one who endues us with power. The Holy Spirit is the one who seals us. The, one, the Holy Spirit is the one who fills the believers. Amen? Hallelujah. So, I mean, there, there's, real, there's no real order to what I just said. It's however he chooses to do it. <laughs> I'm just glad he does it. He anoints with the Holy Spirit, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, and with what? So he anoints with the Spirit, and number four, he anoints with power. And with power. With power. I like this. God's power through man's weakness. That God would choose to use this earthen vessel. That God would choose to use these earthen vessels and usher his power through us. Hallelujah. We need power to do things that have to be done to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. We need the power of God at work in our lives. And there is a release of that power available to us to do God's will in ministering to other people. Amen. I I just think it's awesome that that God makes that power available to us. I think it's even more awesome that he makes that power available through us. Hmm. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing what? The anointing enables people to do good. The anointing enables you to do good. The Bible teaches us in Hebrew, I mean uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. We're created unto good works, which God created, which God made happen beforehand. To do good, we need the help of the one who is good. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and with power, who went about doing good and healing. Hallelujah. The anointing, number six here, enables us to bring healing and wholeness to others. Thank God. You see how wonderful the anointing of the Spirit is? 
It has the power. It has, the, it has all the, the pressures on it <laughs> to perform. So you don't have to worry about that. You just flow in it. Function in it. That anointing is the only thing that can cause those shattered lives to be made whole again. It has this restoring power. Hallelujah. It has a, a healing for the body and, a mind, and the mind as well as the soul. The, the God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were what? So the anointing frees people from the devil's oppression. The Bible says that for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Hmm. You know what the word oppression means? It just means pressure that opposes. Pressure that opposes. It opposes what is good. It opposes what is right. It opposes what is holy. And the anointing breaks that yoke and lifts the burden. It breaks that yoke and lifts the burden. It takes the pressure off. Takes that, removes that opposing pressure. Hallelujah. How God anointed Jesus. Are you okay? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. The last thing we need to understand here to, on this is that for God was with him. The anointing is evidence that God is with you. When people are made whole through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it is absolute evidence that God is near. Hallelujah. And I want us to con con continually, I want you to continually remember God is with you. And if he's with you, then the anointing is continually with you. Continually with you. Continue. That's, and Paul teaches us to stir it up, doesn't he? Stir it up. How do you stir up the anointing? How do we stir up the anointing? Hmm? Well, one scripture says, building ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Hallelujah. For, let's just take a couple of minutes and do that, and then I want to minister to you, and then we'll, we'll go out of here. Once again, thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. We invite you to check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com for upcoming events and information about us. God bless you.